and Vera Payne. The simulation theory is a theory that all human experience is actually artificial. So in other words, it's the idea that you're not real, but you're rather living inside of a computer program. It's believed by many to be true, and then there are others who just don't believe it at all. Author and former NASA physicist Tom Campbell joins me to explain what steps he's actually taking to prove that we're living inside of a computer-generated world. Thanks for joining me, Tom. Well, I'm glad to be here, Mason. So tell me, where did the theory of humans living in a simulation even come from? I would say it probably started about 2,500 years ago with the Buddha. And if that surprises you, let me explain that Buddha's basic answer about what was this reality and how was this reality and where did it come from was that our, what we call physical reality, was an illusion. It wasn't really the real reality. It was just an illusion to us. That, uh, I think, uh, is pretty much the same thing as saying that it's a virtual reality. If we take that as, a, as kind of the first uh, ideas of virtual reality, and I don't know, they may go back into the Hindu religion further than that, since Buddha was a, was a branch off of Hinduism. But it's an old, old idea that the reality we live in is not just the physical, you know, that we think we see in front of us. What kind of experiments can you do to even prove it? I would find it to be kind of difficult. You know, in science, we really don't talk about proof anymore. We kind of gave that up. We talk about theory and we talk about evidence. Back in the, in the early days of science, they were so confident that what they knew was right. They called it laws. This law shall never be broken. And, of course, we found out that you know, it really wasn't right. It was only approximately correct in certain areas where things aren't too small, things aren't too fast. So now physics doesn't do proofs because proof sounds like you've got it nailed and it'll never change. We do evidence. And there's, there's lots of evidence for this theory and that this theory is true. There's lots of things that are attributes of this virtual reality. For instance, if you're in a virtual reality, let's say you know, you're a, a Sims character, or, a, or a, an elf in World of Warcraft or something, and you want to investigate your reality and see when did this reality start? Well, what would you do? You'd go back to the very earliest. You know, you'd find the earliest player, the earliest thing, and say, well, you know, when did it start? What would you find? You would find that it just wasn't there, and then one instant, it was. It just was. That's what you'd find. And that's when the, the server hit the run button and started serving up that data, and people joined the game and started, you know, playing characters. And before that, there was nothing. All right, now what do we in our virtual reality find? Let's go back in our re reality and say, okay, when did our reality start? Oh, it started with a ball of plasma, high temperature, high pressure, and when the run button was hit, that plasma started to expand because of the rule set. It's, it, you know, the, the plasma and its pressure and temperature, that was initial conditions, and there was a rule set of how that stuff could change. That rule set's called physics. You hit the run button, it starts to expand, and as it expands, it cools. As it cools, mass starts to coagulate, and then you get suns and planets, and ah, there's our universe. That's where it started. Well, well where did that ball of plasma come from? There wasn't any universe before that. Our, our universe didn't exist. So that ball of plasma was just somehow sitting there, and there wasn't, and then it was, and, and then it started. So you see, that's exactly like a virtual reality. Uh, 
Uh, so there's lots of things like that that I could say. You know, that's just one. There's there's others that you could that you could say that they look like it's a virtual reality. It's the same way virtual realities would would react. In physics, of course, we have uh, we have quantum physics. Our particles don't really exist. This mass that you touch and measure and so on actually is built up of particles that are nothing but probability. When physicists, I am a physicist, by the way, that's, that's, my, that's my occupation. You know, I'm a physicist. And when, as, when physicists calculate what's going to happen when these uh, atom smashers, like over at CERN, throw mass throw particles together and slam them in and see what comes out, they can't predict based on these things being little chunks of mass. A physicist will never try to make a calculation of what an electron is going to do by saying, well, electrons, a little piece of mass with a charge, because that model doesn't work. A little piece of mass with a charge is not an electron. You can't get the right answer with that. Quantum physics will express that as probability distributions. Wave, they call it wave function, but the wave function is just a probability function. It's not really anything waving. So science has already come to the point that this is not a materialistic reality. It's a probability-based reality. And in my theory, I, I derive that. My theory derives this as a probability-based reality. That's the way it works. So that matches up. There's a lot of things that match up. But, so it's not just how do you prove it. It's what's the evidence. So the things I'm telling you are evidence, the fact that I can tell you where mass comes from, where charge comes from, where space comes from. I can answer those, those kinds of questions. For instance, scientists say that our, that our universe is expanding. It's not only expanding, but it's, that expansion is accelerating. Well, what's it accelerating into? If all reality is just this physical universe, then our physical universe is expanding into what? And how does it keep making more universe? How does it keep making more space? Well, in a virtual reality, that's simple. That's a very simple thing to explain. As a material reality, you can't explain that. It doesn't have an explanation. And so on and so on. So we could just go through dozens of things like that that are evidence that this is a virtual reality. Now, no, it's not like you can, you know, if I look fast enough, can I see behind the screen or behind the camera? No. You can't. Virtual realities, if they're really good virtual realities, are made to be such that you can't tell it's a virtual reality. That's what makes a really good virtual reality. If you can tell that it's a virtual reality by just looking at it, like the characters move in really jerky little motions, then it's not a very good virtual reality. Our reality here is a very good virtual reality. It's made by, uh, by consciousness, and consciousness has a lot more throughput, a lot more... Uh, um, you know, a lot faster computation. We can think a lot faster than we can move. Uh, the, the thought space is a, is a much uh, faster space. So it's a very, very good virtual reality. But these physics experiments I'm doing, you talk about proof, they are going to offer some solid scientific uh, evidence. If they work the way I think they will work, they will have the experimenter doing things that are impossible which is exactly what happened with the double slit experiment. The double slit experiment did something that was impossible. Particles went through two slits, one at a time, and for no reason arranged themselves on the screen in an interference pattern. 
absolutely no reason they should do that. That was impossible. That uh, shouldn't happen. Materialism cannot explain that. And my experiments are going to do a few things that are also impossible that have never been done before. These experiments are new, never been done. So one of the things they'll allow a, a, a scientist to do is to say the next particle that comes off of this radioactive source is going to come off in this direction. And that's impossible because we know that particles fly out of radio, radioactive sources at a random, in random directions. You can't, be, can't predict it. But my experiment predicts it. And we have a thing in science called a, a beam splitter. So light impacts on this beam splitter, and it's got a 50-50 chance of either reflecting or transmitting through the device. And it's a 50-50. And I've got an experiment that will allow the experimenter to say, the next time a photon hits that beam splitter, it's going to reflect, or it's going to transmit and be accurate, consistently accurate. That's impossible. And this can only happen in a virtual reality. So I have lots and lots of evidence that this is a virtual reality because it, it answers so many questions that otherwise can't be answered. So evidence, yes, tons of it. Proof, no. And science really doesn't work on proof. That's why we have the theory of relativity and the theory of quantum mechanics because science doesn't do proofs anymore. We don't call this stuff laws. So how long will it take you to complete your experiments? Can we expect some well, type of results in like a year, or is it going to take 10 years? No, it won't take 10 years. Uh, certainly I would have results in less than a year. I tend to be an optimist. Uh, optimistically speaking, maybe two or three months. Not optimistically, uh, I'd say, you know, maybe a year or so. But it won't be 10 years. Matter of fact, we just have some, some more funding showed up for it, so the pace of that is expanding. We're looking now for, for people in different universities to be doing the same experiment rather than just do it one place with one group because in physics, an experiment does not define truth. In order for we to, us to call something a fact, us, I mean physicists, to call something a fact, it has to be done by multiple people in multiple places. Uh, that's one of the requirements of the, of the uh, scientific method is that it's the, the experiments are reproducible. So with this extra money we've just gotten, we are going to start uh, doing these same experiments in multiple places. What happens if you're right and we're living in a simulation? What does that even mean? I mean, do I still go to work tomorrow? <laughs> yes, of course you go to work tomorrow. Everything here is the same. You know, it's like with classical physics. You have Newtonian physics. It's classical physics. And sometime in the 1920s, you know, with the advent of double slit and quantum physics and relativity all kind of blossomed up at around the same time frame, which is in the early 20s. And at that time, they found classical physics was, was wrong. It, it wasn't correct. So did we just stop using it? Did we throw it out and say, well, Newton, you know, toss him in the garbage can. We've got something better now. No, that, that physics works wonderfully still. Matter of fact, I'd say that 95% of all the applied physics that's done on this planet is still Newtonian physics because it's still correct enough in the realm in which we mostly apply it, which is in the macro world, not the micro world and not the very fast world, but where we typically apply physics 
um, not necessarily academically, but I mean out in the real world, it's still mostly Newtonian physics. So even though that's been shown not to be right, it doesn't go away. And it's the same with this. In my model, the the materialism, you know, the the idea of the material world and how it works and the interactions with it, it just becomes a subset of a larger reality. It's not like it disappears or becomes irrelevant. It's just a subset. And in my model, I also come up with a scientific, uh, a scientific model or scientific theory of the subjective world as well as the objective world. So this theory also can tell you if you're feeling unhappy and miserable and sad, uh, why? It's a model of the subjective world. And it, it also tells you things like, why are we here? What's the point? What's our purpose? It, uh, it answers all those kinds of questions as well. It, it answers the fundamental questions in metaphysics, which is epistemology, which is about the theory of knowledge. It answers that. And ontology, which is the theory of being. Cosmology is where did it all start. All that stuff now it has logical, scientific answers to it. So I think this is going to eventually be a big renaissance in physics and in our understanding. And this physical world is still this. This is a virtual reality. We're here to, in my kind of scientific parlance, to reduce the entropy of our consciousness. But what that really boils down to in everyday words is we're here to evolve our consciousness, to evolve the quality of our consciousness. And what that is, in even simpler words, is to become more caring, more cooperative, more about other, less about self, less self-centered, to become uh, more loving so and less fearful. And that's our purpose. That's why we're here. And consciousness, as I, can, as I logically prove, needs to create this virtual reality for us to work in. So this virtual reality is uh, an entropy reduction trainer, just like virtual realities have been used as flight trainers for 50 years. You know, this is an entropy reduction trainer for individuated uses of consciousness. So no, our, our work and our, our life, our daily interaction with people, not only is not irrelevant, but it becomes even more important, more significant. We're here for a purpose. We're here to interact with other people and learn to let go of our fear and become more cooperative and caring with each other. That sounds just like philosophy and a good, a good idea. Well, that sounds nice, but actually that is a logical out. You know, it's a logical consequence of this, of this uh, theory. So our physical interactions are even more important. It's what we, you know, we have a purpose here. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you being here for those <laughs> listening. Where can they find more information about you and your theory? You can find several places. If you're interested in those experiments, and they're being done by a, a nonprofit that I stood up just to keep all the financing and everything very, uh, you know, very transparent, and that's CUSAC, C-U-S-A-C, CUSAC, uh, Center for the, for the Unification of Science and Consciousness. And that's where the, as I get the results and things, I'll publish them there first, and I will publish a paper. In fact, for those who may be physicists, they can go to uh, the uh, International Journal of Quantum Foundations, 
and I published a paper. That's a peer-reviewed physics journal, and uh, the paper that describes these experiments is is to be found there. So that's peer-reviewed physics, but you know that's in math speak. So most people probably won't want to go there, but the scientists in your audience may want to go look that up. Anyway, I have a web page that's www.my-big-toe.com, and of course the toe is theory of everything, which means the theory of the of the uh, objective world and the theory of the subjective world both. That's what uh, makes it a big toe rather than just a little toe like Einstein was working on. And to see where I'm talking next, and you know, I go all over the world, a lot of interest in this theory, and it's been growing very quickly. You go to www.mbtevents.com, and that kind of shows the schedule of what's happening next. This has been the Mason Vera Payne Show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear more? Head to WGNRadio.com for exclusive content by Mason. Also, follow Mason on Facebook and Twitter at Mason Vera Payne. That's all one word. And don't forget to share the show with your friends.